Hey, it's uh, the 49ers game day podcast. It's a uh, shitty year in review episode. We didn't want to go over the week 17 game with the Seattle Seahawks because I don't even know who's playing, Jake. I have no idea who's even going to be in the game. It's going to be CJ Beathard and some former Iowa Hawkeyes. That's pretty much all I can ascertain. It's not Trent Williams. So, I mean, it's like if Trent Williams isn't playing, I refuse to take this game seriously. Um, feel very strongly about your left tackles. I, I just feel very strongly that Justin School has been very bad this year. Is Justin School even eligible to play? Like, I thought he was like coveted up and he had an ankle thing. Uh, he has a knee sprain. <laughs> but okay. Uh, what, and what, Daniel Brunskill, yes, by yes, the way, yes, has a shoulder sprain. But again, I guess if you're an offensive lineman and you're not Trent Williams, sprains don't yeah. matter. You just have to play through them. <laughs> right. One of one of those guys is going to get paid twenty million dollars this past off season. It is or this next off season. It is not just in school. So uh, we wanted to just go through this year, and we won't dwell too much on it because it was a big old pile of shit uh, for all intents you don't, and purposes. You don't want, want a Ross Dwelly on it. I, I'm just going to tell you right now, we could not have picked a worse year to start up this podcast. We it really is. In, bad, in, in, bad in some vibes. Ways, it's it's a great year to start it up. Um, I don't have an argument for why, but I just wanted to say that. <laughs> <laughs> or, Dieter, you're exactly wrong. Um, it's not a bad way to go about life. Just take the exact opposite position of your boy. Um, all right, let's start week one, regular season. And again, we're not going to like dive too deep into it. We're probably going to do week by week and then halfway through just say fuck it and, and do big swaths of the games. But uh, week one, Arizona Cardinals, the 49ers lose that game. 24 to 20 to Arizona and, and Kyler Murray just doing little spritey Kyler Murray things, things that he can't do anymore because he's a little bitty guy and he just got the shit kicked out of him throughout the year. And now he's all banged up and hurt and the Cardinals are fighting for their playoff lives. But uh, it was another game, even with Nick Bosa in the lineup. And I guess if you don't already know, Nick Bosa gets injured in week two um, with Nick Bosa in the lineup, like they just couldn't stop a running quarterback and that it kind of is the thing that Robert Sala wasn't able to to shake up until maybe the last time they played Kyler Murray there in Week 16. What what if we if we can get in the time machine and go back to Week One? I'm sure that we could actually do this, considering we had a podcast where we shared all of our thoughts. But like, it was just an inauspicious start. It, it just felt like Jimmy couldn't make a good throw. Uh, the wide receivers sucked. I thought it was more wide receivers than Jimmy. I turned out to be uh, wrong. It was uh, 60-40 Jimmy as opposed to 60-40 wide receivers. And uh, Kyler Murray just looked like the goddamn truth. And and I was wrong on that, too. Not that Kyler Murray isn't, but more that that offense uh, never evolved from where Arizona was. So thinking back on week one, did I miss anything there? Not really. Um, Cliff Kingsbury is not all that imaginative. Which is no, you know, it feels like the Cardinals could easily be a ten-win team, like really easily, um, if they like just should have should have been with Cliff like, Kingsbury, <laughs> right? If they just you know stopped throwing, there was a couple weeks stretch where the Cardinals only threw the ball to DeAndre Hopkins like flat routes, like five yeah. yards down the field, left side of the yeah. field. I don't know what they're doing, uh, but I don't think that's a good game plan and. You know, it, it worked enough in, in that week one game, but it's kind of why the they aren't in the playoffs yet. Yeah. I mean, and again, inauspicious start for the 49ers in that game. And then things just got real, real bad. Um, 
I, I was talking to Matt Mayoko on KMBR yesterday. Not not to name drop or anything, but uh, we we like Matt Mayoko. He he's he's an A plus kind of guy, guy and a, a damn good reporter. And um, he said that he's almost kind of rethink. Uh, just with the Nick Bosa injury, which happened in week two, and everyone's like, oh, the turf was out. This conspiracy theory nonsense, uh, turf anon, um, where like, but he, he was saying that we've seen this team without Nick Bosa now for 15 weeks. It's about to be, you know, six, you know, 15 to 16 games, more or less. Um, he was thinking that you might have to change the way you think about where you build a team from in the modern NFL, that quarterbacks are so aplenty that you might have to just build from the defensive line. Cause if you don't have a great defensive line, you don't have a great defense and a great defense can make an average quarterback look really good. All things considered, I would argue the exact opposite. Uh, I would go the full hutch route and just do the opposite of that argument where you have a great quarterback. You can have shit everywhere else and it doesn't matter. But it's an interesting thought. And and when Nick Bosa went down, I couldn't have imagined how impactful that would be, even knowing how impactful it was in the moment, knowing how big of a deal that was. Like absolutely wild to think um, this defense has remained good, but just how this team kind of unraveled for all intents and purposes after Bosa, their best player, went down. Yeah, I... It's funny because like it, it's not it doesn't have to be one or the other, right? Like mm-hmm. you can build yeah. around a quarterback and you can build that's around fair. a defensive line. Like you kind of, and that's kind of the Forty ers have done half of that, right? Like their whole philosophy is, I think Robert Sala. It was either Sala or Lynch or you know one of the three headed monster of the Forty ers like said it. Like our entire philosophy is building around the defensive line. Uh, yeah, they said that a bunch last year, right? When they were in the right. Super Bowl. Lynch, yeah, I think it was Lynch, line. and he said it again this year, where it's like, you know, if you have two guys who, you know, are worth a combined like $25 million, and besides that are like top, top, top tier edge rushers when they're healthy, and D Ford and Nick Bosa, like, it's going to be a big problem. Um, and like, there's not much analytical you know, talk that needs to be had about it. Like yeah. Nick Bosa is one of the top 10 best players in the NFL pretty clearly. I yeah, think he's awesome. No, he's um, absolutely awesome. And D Ford when he was healthy, which, uh, you know, was every time before he got to the 49ers. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, the chiefs, the chiefs traded him away, admitting that he was busted goods. I the mean, 49ers they, they, are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we, we're going to pay him $85 million. If that, but cool. have you seen our training staff? <laughs> We have, um, we have a turf field that players refuse to use for training. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe they should have used it a little bit more so they would have been prepared for the MetLife Stadium field. Uh, I mean, honestly, the Bosa thing is just critical. That that was when the 49ers no longer became a true Super Bowl contender. Just straight up. It was just very difficult no, to imagine. Yeah, it was, it was over. It was over. Right. And so and it's like, okay, you can still make the playoffs. Uh, and Jimmy was... Good in that game. Uh, the Jets were not. Uh, it is the Jets after all. But um, I, I just remember thinking back on that game that the thing that we maybe didn't talk about enough because of just the the heaviness of the Bosa injury was the Solomon Thomas injury. And Solomon Thomas, listen, we're, we're not going to pretend like he's some massive impact player. But when you lose Bosa, now we look at, okay, depth. Right, like you have arguably the best the best pass rusher in the NFL, arguably. And if he would have played this whole year, who knows? I mean, he was so good as a rookie. What was he going to do as a sophomore? But 
when you you still had a defensive line that had crazy depth, even without DeForest Buckner, you should have had a defensive line that could still make things happen. With, with Solomon Thomas going out, you just lost a, a, a critical depth piece, a guy who you could at least throw in there for a couple of downs, and he can give you good snaps, if not more. And looking back on it, that game in general was just a harbinger of things to come when it came to the injuries. It just didn't stop after that. It was just It was like a funeral after that game and like for good reason. Everyone was like, well, like shit, where are we supposed to go from here? Like obviously, blah, 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 you reset and they were all together on the East Coast. So they had a, you know. They were at the Greenbrier. They were out in West Virginia. Yeah, which was, I don't know, weird time. That was a nice foreboding of things to come to. and wait, wait, wait! We, we didn't even mention their their uh, their MRI truck broke down out there, right? So <laughs> the results yeah. of all those tests came back uh, like two days late. I'm just remembering that now. This such Jesus a bizarre Christ. season. You, to think that to think that that wasn't as low as it got in terms of just like the football gods cursing this team is obscene. Like that, that's just absolutely absurd. That that's not as bad as it got. I mean. That, I like, mean, we're talking about <laughs> this year, right? So, I mean, I guess we, we could have started with the start of this year. No, no, we're talking about this season. I mean, yeah, I said year, but we're talking about this season. Right. I, uh, mean, I guess we I'm just start, saying. We it, wanted to start with this year. Jimmy Garoppolo's yet to have a good game. I'm just saying this this all really started, you know, way back when Patrick Mahomes True. connected with Tyreek Hill and Jimmy Garoppolo overthrew Emmanuel Sanders. And yeah. since there, you know, they had, you know, a decent draft. The coronavirus. <laughs> And then, yeah, I mean, that that was another thing, like kind of the first game where you go in empty stadium, they just don't pull it out against the Cardinals. You kind of yeah. knew something was off, you know, well, and we, then we kept every, talking right. about this was a team that needed juice, right? We're right. like, this they, is a team need, that needs to play to the crowd. They kind of and they kind of it wasn't like they need a home stadium either. Like they kind of no, feed off any crowd people i talk about this all the time like on other shows like th- these nfl playoffs are going to be wild and i know buffalo just got fans allowed back and they get six thousand fans which is about twenty thousand anywhere else because they're so goddamn drunk just really super spreading with with all the spittle um but uh like it, it, if you are green bay or buffalo going into this postseason you got to feel like you actually have a home field advantage home field advantage i think is worth like Less than a point and a half now. I think they did a statistical analysis on that, and they say it's less than a point and a half now. But if you're in the playoffs, yeah, and you're in Buffalo at night, and you're down say, ten, to- Green Bay and, and Buffalo are the only oh. two places that seem like they'd still have that advantage. Ten, ten, nothing at night, and there's like nobody in the crowd. Just even just even ragging on you. Like how are you? How do you summon the energy to not just like roll over and die? Like, yeah. It just feels soul crushing. For those of you who moment. haven't been to the depths, the the barren depths of upstate oh New York, God. there is it's like pretty. There's a lot of nice trees, but there is no idea nothing up there. It's, it's cold. Just and then just cold. what's what's the lake? That's Lake Ontario, Lake Erie. I won't I won't pretend to know Lake. I don't know. There's a there's a big old yeah, and I think yeah, I think I mean they they got a bunch of lakes, and that that snow comes right off of it, and the wind, man. Like I grew up in Chicago. Chicago is known as the windy city for many reasons. One of them is the actual wind, and in the winter when the wind decides to come off of the lake, I mean it is your face just gets burned. Yeah, you're just chapped. It's like you're in Antarctica, and it's just I mean. 
thinking about the you know a desolate landscape around that just absolutely crushes your soul because it's just like humans aren't supposed to live here you know (laughs) yeah yeah amen to that and it just crushes your soul so i'm fascinated to see what happens in the playoffs when you're going into these just inhabitable environments (laughs) uninhabitable environments and how you're supposed to play football in this and I mean, we were talking about that after, you know, the first couple of weeks. Yeah, like, if you're does down Jimmy at the half need this energy? And, like, you're in Green Bay, like, yeah, I might just call it. <laughs> like, I just want to go yeah, home. F- fuck it, man. <laughs> fuck you it. know? I'm just going to stay in this locker room. You guys can figure it out on the back end. Like, But I'm we with were you on Jimmy. We were talking about that. It, it, and so it's absolutely wild. And then we get to the game against the Giants, and Jimmy gets injured, right? Like, that was the game where I thought Jimmy it was, goes down. Uh, I, thought, I think oh, it was against the Jets. The Jets right? was, yeah. Second half of the Jets. He so played one, one good half, half this year. One good half. And then Nick Mullins played one good game against the Giants. And, uh, boy, the, the Mullins truthers were out in full force after a 36-9 win against the Giants, who were garbage. And um, I just remember all the people who were pushing that narrative that Nick Mullins is as good as Jimmy Garoppolo just, I mean, sprinting with the flag down the sidelines on that one. They absolutely loved that game. And I just remember having to be like super angry and contrarian. Like Nick Mullins isn't a good quarterback and had to you know remind everybody of that. And they were not hearing it. And then they heard it loud and clear. Week four, Philadelphia Eagles, Sunday Night Football. Brandon Ayuk with the awesome um, leap. Uh, into the end zone, but Nick Mullins with one of the more egregious quarterback performances that you will ever see, and it really didn't get that much better from there on out for old Nick Mullins. Yeah. Poor Nick, you know? <laughs> what a guy. I mean, lovely dude, but just not not great at playing quarterback, you know? Yeah. it's yeah. Uh, And it's one of those things where, you know, I, I made like a point um, – where I was like, to be fair, his number one target, his like cop out safety valve option has always been Kittle. And for the vast majority, um, aside from I think the Eagles and like half of Seattle, uh, mm-hmm. he did not have Kittle. Um, and so that really doesn't help. And then CJ got him back. And I'm not just talking about Kittle the receiver, which by the way, he had like 94 receiving yards uh, mm-hmm. last week. But his effect in the run game, like, is enormous. And that's kind of what I'm talking about is, like, without him, this run game was so stagnant. And and even when they did get it going, it wasn't consistent. It wasn't like Green Bay and Minnesota last year they where they would just run it down your throat. They had a couple games, you know, Los Angeles and, and New England. But, like, the rest of the season was just so, so disjointed. Like, after New England, they'd... 52 yards, 55 yards, 49 yards, Mm. like just awful. And then, you know, the Rams, uh, they don't really count uh, 112. Um, But then back, it's just like without Kittle as like your flexible guy who you can put in any sort of protection, like probably a better pass blocker than Mike McGlinchey for most of this year. Mm -hmm. um, It just, it really, really fucks you over in a number of ways. And I think that effect might be underestimated. Like everyone knows Kittle's a top. He's probably the top tight end in the league. I know we can debate whether it's Kelsey, but Kittle's a way Kelsey's better Kelsey's the best receiving tight end. Yeah. Right. It's not a question. It's like Kittle is the number two They're receiving close, tight but end. Kelsey's the receiving tight end, but right. Kelsey doesn't do anything in the run game. Exactly. Which is why Kittle, I think, is undeniably the top tight end. Whatever. Fair enough. Point is, it, it hurts to not have George Kittle. 
Yeah, I mean, needless to say. And I, I don't um, – obviously, he was in this game against the Eagles. Mullins just threw it away. It was one of those games where you had to recalibrate. You had to look at the situation moving forward and say, okay, well, now the Niners are in an uphill battle at 2-2 two and two to make the playoffs because Garoppolo, you, you didn't know. Uh, but then he comes back for the game against the Dolphins. And uh, that Jake- was fucking insane. And, you know, that, uh, <laughs> like just remembering that game, that, I think- <laughs> that game was incredible. That game was deeply incredible. That is, I, I it wasn't the last time we were in the press box. Um, I didn't, I didn't go. I think, I think the Packers was the last game I was in the press box, perhaps. Maybe it was Buffalo. I can't remember. No, no, no. It was, it's hard to remember. This season was Dude, such went- a nightmare. I went to which game did I go to? I went to the uh, Cardinal game. I went to the Rams game. That's it. Yeah, I think Green Bay was the last one I went to. It was at Seattle, then Green Bay, and then they went on the road, and then they got kicked out. That Dolphins so game many, was yeah. utterly insane. The Brian Allen game. Oh, I That's had, what that I game had was. forgotten his name. You, yeah, I had to look it up, but it was I, really I needed you to vamp a little bit so I can... because uh, Akello was like, you know, yeah, I can't play. Oh, but Brian Allen just let up two touchdowns, or I think it was only one, but it it was really three. Yeah, um, it was definitely three. No, there was one where Ryan Fitzpatrick basically pointed at him and said, "There's my bitch," and threw it right down the. the it side was, and then Akello was like, "Well, now that the game is over, I, I guess I can play." That was the end of Akello Witherspoon, right? Like, uh, there's apparently no not because he had up. like I don't no, know, they, man. No, they, well, at this juncture, they're playing anyone who has you know two legs and, and a brain, but um, and he's been playing very well. Clearly, going to get a contract from somebody. Like he's not going to fall it, out of no. The it still feels like I, I wouldn't expect him to be back. I just think that you can't ever bring a guy like that back. I, I thought they were going to cut him. Not I too did long too. After. I did too. I mean, they bench him for three straight games. Yeah. So. And that I mean, was maybe, and that was out of maybe time Robert Sala like, takes him. I don't know. They needed extra defensive backs, and they were still active benching him. Yeah, no, that, that's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. That was a that was a wild game on defense because of Brian Allen. They didn't actually play that poorly, except for you know the three possessions where the right. Dolphins basically pointed at Brian Allen. They and lost said, we're it going in the to first destroy you. like 15, 20 minutes of the game, and then it was just over. And Garoppolo was hot garbage. I mean, just. Absolute trash to the point where they they pulled his ass like, and they claimed it was injury, but he was he couldn't. I mean, it was unbelievable how bad he was. I look back, so I look back on the quotes because I was like just going back through from that stretch when he came back against the Dolphins through the Rams and the Patriots and Seattle Which felt rushed. If we're being honest, like it felt right. rushed that he came felt back from the Dolphins, rushed. but I don't think that you could attribute his shitty play entirely to being rushed back. Right. You can say it for the Dolphins game, you know, super jittery, whatever. He didn't look right, clearly. Just wasn't stepping in the throws. But every week, Not that he ever does. especially every week after, Kyle was like, yeah, like he looks great. Like he looks great in practice. Like basically like he's fine. Like Compared that's what Kyle to fucking was Nick Mullins. Like, and, and sure, like, you know, Kyle's not Jimmy. He doesn't know how Jimmy's physically feeling, but Based on what he was saying, he's like, Jimmy looks really good in practice. Like, maybe yeah. he was just lying, um, which, you know, Kyle has know. done he, plenty of times. But, he, like, he's a liar, but he doesn't really keep up the jig that long. No, no. He was like, no, Jimmy, like, we wouldn't have played him if he didn't look good in practice. So, clearly, they saw something from him. And then the next two games, 
They beat the Rams. They beat the Patriots by not letting Jimmy Garoppolo play quarterback. Yeah, they went full NFC playoffs, and uh, Debo Samuel was the offense. I mean, they just gave it to Debo in every which way. Debo turned into a running back, in fact, literally in week seven at New England, and and the Niners were back into it. Like, they were back into the season. The win against the Rams uh, still baffles me. It's I, I still have no earthly concept how Jared Goff could play that poorly, how he could be the second best quarterback on a field with Jimmy Garoppolo. It, it, I just don't get it. It's a complex, man. We I mean, we talked about it. There's something seriously, seriously off with the Rams when they play the 49ers. Like they go into this like purgatory dimension where they're just sort of floating around like scared, like Aaron Donald, like had a really good game the second time, but like he right. never plays well against them in both games. Um, no, yeah, he, you only get one. It's kind of the same thing with the 49ers and the Cardinals for some odd reason, too. It's, man, it's just like, and then you look at the, the Patriots game and like Garoppolo's 20 of 25, whatever, 278 yards, but like all of them were from Dink and Dunk, and he still managed to have two interceptions. Um, yeah. Oh, geez, I had forgotten about that. You're totally right. It's, he's not good. <laughs> like, no, no, but, you know, but he was injured. He was injured. I mean, like, sure. Here's the thing. You can't, like, you can say that, but, like, he's playing. He's playing. Like, you, you, yeah. you say he's healthy enough to play, play well. Like, there's no excuse if he's playing. And so much of it was mental, and so much of it was, like, Kyle, like, you don't get to throw the ball anymore because I don't trust you. Uh, and then... You know, against Seattle, yikes, uh, yikes, yikes, and then Seattle was super yikes. And and let's let before we skip forward to the Thursday night football game against Green Bay, where it was pretty much officially over, said and done. Um, and in, in you know, as Garoppolo and George Kittle went out in that week eight game against the Seahawks, and well, I thought never to return, but George Kittle's back. Uh, the 49ers also got rid at after that game of our good friend Dante Pettis. And uh, oh, yeah. I just wondered if you had anything you wanted to say about the Dante Pettis era in San Francisco. Well, you know, here's the thing about the Dante Pettis era. You know, you look <laughs> you look back on the history of the NFL and you look back on the, you know, when you look back Rice. to the Mesozoic age where dinosaurs were roaming the earth, <laughs> there's really no era quite as significant as the Dante Pettis era in San Francisco. It's listen, Rice, Moss, T.O., Pettis. Um, <laughs> listen, man, Brown. it's cheap shots. I like Dante Pettis as a dude. He's a lovely guy. Um, yeah. But he just, had a catch for New York the other day. He, here's the thing. like, I could see him being semi-productive somewhere. Um, but at a certain point, Jimmy was just like, I'm not going to throw you the ball. And he's in the right to not throw him the totally. ball. Um, totally. Because in year two... Pettis just completely shrunk into himself, um, took any coaching like personally. He admitted that uh, it was just afraid of contact, was like picking up these minor injuries that were lingering. It's just, it no, just went no way, wrong. No, there's in no every nice way to put it. He was just a sensitive boy. It's true. And like, it just, you can't be a sensitive boy and play great NFL for football. like a human, uh, but oh, not yeah. great for a football player. <laughs> Tremendous empathy in a sport full of killers. It's <laughs> just not going to work like out. You can for be you. that guy, but only if you turn on the craziness, you know, I'm, on the yeah. field. I don't think George Kittle is a bad person in any way, shape, or form off the field. By all uh, by all accounts, he's a you know fun loving, positive guy that everyone loves to be around, but he's a fucking lunatic when he's on a football field. Well, he's he's a lunatic in general, but yeah. 
Yeah, no, but it's like you can, you can, field. you could yeah, you could channel the lunacy into a more positive realm when you're not playing murder ball. It is a beautiful thing to watch, though. Kittle uh, just being a maniac. He said he slaps a Joker tattoo on his forearm to get himself hyped. Like that is the most football player. Yeah, slap my tattoo to get me energized. Like <laughs> just absolutely batshit insane. This sport. It's wonderful. And, uh, the more we're around it, the more we realize, yes, the beauty, but also I am so afraid all the time of these exact people who are very lovely, except for Nick Mullins. Never was afraid of him once. Always feel like I could take Nick Mullins. It's a weird thing. I mean, he also shows up in, in the same shirts that I wear, just like a collared, you know, the collared shirt that's like, yeah, <laughs> the, I just get off my internship. Big at Kohl's. Yeah, it's like I was just working at JCPenney's for like an eight hour shift. That's I exactly just got right. off. I'm going to have one twisted tea and then. <laughs> you know, hang out with my girlfriend and watch Netflix shirt. Yeah, she gets to choose on Netflix, by the way. I'm not allowed to choose. Yeah, I get to watch my girlfriend's Hallmark <laughs> Christmas movies shirt. Um, no, all right, I then like them, babe. Sorry. Yeah, no, uh, you, you just anything to spend time with you, darling. Um, uh, Thursday, Thursday night football against the Green Bay Packers in week nine. If, as if it wasn't shitty enough for the 49ers that they don't have Kittle. And I guess Garoppolo, too. Uh, then they get Nick Mullins back on, under the saddle or onto the saddle in week nine on Thursday, a couple of days later against the Packers and just get their teeth kicked in. I mean, it was it was not competitive. It was an absolute laugher of a game. That was there was like Aaron Rodgers. Like, I'm still I'm still really good, guys. Like, in case you forgot. Aaron Rodgers avenged for not making the Super Bowl last year right. by beating a, a beat, a beat the shit 49ers I mean, team in here's how nine. you know it was a bad game. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who sucks. He's He just bad. drops everything. He, He's bad. Green Bay fans hate Valdez-Scantling so much. It's insane. Matt Schneidman, my former colleague at the Merck, uh, who covers the Packers now for The Athletic, like, I, I, it's to follow him on Twitter, and Doesn't I just, see just they have one wide receiver, but they have they have a, a they drafted a first round quarterback who has been inactive the entire year, and he made Aaron Rodgers better. Oh, a hundred percent. They knew what they were doing. They're like, listen, we get our guy for the future, and we also make Aaron really, really, really mad. Our entire game plan for this year is to piss off our quarterback. <laughs> And it's worked. It's worked. Sometimes it doesn't work, but Aaron Rodgers is a sociopath. So uh, right, and I kind of honestly I, I respect mean that, that so. game plan. Yeah. So uh, then they go to New Orleans. It, it, it's not as close as the twenty-seven to thirteen scoreline indicates. It was another kind of uh, um, <laughs> vengeance game for the Saints. And it, at that point, they head into their bye week, and it's like this: this bad boy is over. Right. I mean, you just feel like there's no way that they're going to be able to make this thing interesting unless a bunch of crazy shit happens. And they come back from the bye and a bunch of crazy shit had happened. <laughs> like right. Cardinals, it's really just the NFC just being complete hot trash. This is this is your take, and I love it, which is basically everyone talks about the NFC being the best division in, in football, like NFC West being the best division in football. And in fact, it is actually a garbage division, yes. but the rest of the yes. NFC sucks so bad yes. that it looks great in comparison. Explain that. If there, is there anything that I missed? No, on, no, that's uh, what my I take. think the is NFC the take West of the year. isn't good. The NFC is just worse. Like... You look around and it's like, <laughs> the, I, what is like the, the Seahawks just basically have, well, well they have DJ I, Reed playing well now, which is like actually a big part of their defense. 
Um, yeah, he's good. He's good. I, t- but, I only talked about him for about an hour and a half right. on KMBR this But week. it's just like, it's Russ and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, and that's really it. And sometimes that's going to result in like a full-on hellstorm where they just absolutely destroy teams. And other times they're just going to like linger and do weird stuff and lose a game that they should win. Um, and then the Rams, they suck. Like they're not good. Like, I don't care what the record is. I will never believe that this team with Jared Goff is good. I'm sorry. Like, I see him play, and it's just like, that's a small boy in a larger body. Um, <laughs> he's a scared quarterback who, you know, I cannot trust. Like, I know they went to the Super Bowl. That guy oh, is yeah. gone. He is long gone. You trust you trust Garoppolo about 5x what you trust Goff. And we found that out in week 12 after the bye week where all this crazy shit was happening. And the 49ers go to SoFi Stadium and beat the Rams 23 to 20 with the Rams just basically doing everything in their power. I mean, really taking it to another level to lose that game. I, I, I honestly have not quite recovered from watching the Rams just demand that the 49ers win that game. And, um, what an embarrassing, I, embarrassing performance over the last two years for them. You it's know? almost as if Sean McVay is a one-trick pony. Especially against Kyle. It's weird, though. It's so weird to me that teams can see Kyle's what the 49ers... Kyle's kind of a one-trick pony. <laughs> he just has a good defense. He right. had Robert Sala. Yeah, I mean... I, I, do, th- I do think that... Yeah, listen, Sean McVay uh, was able to, in many ways, fix the Rams' culture. Um they are a team that is not well run. Like Les Snead is a bad general manager. Like straight up, like giving Goff that contract is a bad. I like decision. how they waited until like week what was it fifteen to fourteen to start playing Cam Akers, who is clearly yeah. their best running back that they drafted in the second round. Sorry, I mean they. Just they I mean, listen, McVay, McVay has his his shortcomings, but when your entire roster is you traded away all these draft picks, your entire roster is basically a sunk cost fallacy argument. Like you just trade big, <laughs> you trade for big names and then you have to re-sign them. Like you're, you're, you did that with Ramsey. You know, you have to keep Donald around because he's the best defensive player in the NFL. If you lose him, Jesus Christ, uh, that'd be like trading away Khalil Mack or something. Um, yeah, you, you, you give up all these first round picks for Jared Goff. So you got to sign him. You got to sign Woods. You got to sign Cup. You know, it's just like you got to re-sign. We're, we're like, you don't have any money. Like <laughs> I, I know the Saints like don't care about the salary cap, but like the Rams still you know, pretend as if like, hey, we're gonna have to you know be cap compliant. Yeah, I mean, and, they made a bunch of cuts this off season. Yeah, so it's it's not surprising that they uh, aren't exceptional. Though I am holding a Super Bowl um, birth ticket because I do believe the NFC just deeply sucks. And uh, if they run Cam Akers into the mouth of the Green Bay Packers about thirty times, I, I think Green Bay crumbles. But um, nevertheless, like they they have a complex, as you've pointed out time and time again, and are until next year uh you cannot be proven wrong they have a complex against the 49ers and the 49ers week win in week 12 and you're like motherfucker like how are these how is this team still alive statistically and not like just still alive like they had a coin flip chance of making the playoffs after that week 12 win it was absolutely baffling uh, as right. someone who had written they two had weeks before Washington that it was over. in dallas coming up yeah Except they had to play the Buffalo Bills first and were absolutely smacked. And this was the same time, by the way, that the 49ers just uh, found out uh, you can't be in uh, Santa Clara anymore. Goodbye. They found out as they get onto the plane going down to L.A. to play the Rams. Um, and uh, they found out because my paper leaked it. 
or they you know reported it. I guess there's a difference between leak and report. Uh, not that I would know anything about that kind of shit, despite working for a paper. Um, the, you know it, that news breaks via you know the Merck. Um, they were going to announce it on Monday, and, and they were going to put in a, a, a stay at home order, which we're still under here in the Bay Area. Um, you know, on that Monday morning or at twelve oh one Monday morning. So the Niners get on the plane Sunday or Saturday to go down to L.A. And then they win and they fly back. And then basically they have to figure out a place to go. They move down to Arizona. They have a Monday night game against the Bills. And they played their hearts out. But the Bills were just much, much, much better. And that's when it was pretty obvious, like, this Nick Mullins thing ain't going to work. That was the really the first time in the last two years where they have played somebody and they were just, like, really stunned. Because they were like, holy shit, they just have... Played us. They're just better than us. Because like, like all of their talent. losses were, you know, close. Like one thing didn't go their way, or yeah. they just played like shit. This was the first time where it was like, oh, like that was the third most depressed they have been all year. Uh, you don't, you don't think, you don't think that the New Orleans and Green Bay games qualified as that, or, or is there just too much of recent? There like, was we too just much played like, last year, right? There's too much like injury weirdness and just like Mullins playing really bad uh, and bad offensive line. So the play. Niners, the like, Niners there was that COVID. That game, Green Bay like, was the under- COVID game, so you didn't have Trent Williams oh, and Justin Schools getting wrecked. Um, you're, you're basically saying that, like, off of those games. Um, off of those Green Bay and, and Saints games, it's like under normal circumstances, these games would be like the Niners can delude themselves right or wrong, right? Into thinking, hey, you know, under normal circumstances, we can beat you because we just saw what happened under normal, quote unquote, normal circumstances. Exactly. But Buffalo, they had no frame of reference. They were they as confident as they had been all year going into that game. They were kind of cocky about it, and I remember thinking, like, are you familiar with who your quarterback is? Because. Uh, Anytime you buy into Nick Mullins, that's when he lets you down. Like that is just the cycle of Mullins and the bills just smacked him around. And um, now kind of one of the hot topics because the bills have been on national TV a couple of times in the past month and have absolutely been whooping up on their opponents. They're playing great football is like, is Josh Allen, the MVP and Josh Allen, Josh Allen, Josh Allen. Well-deserved by the way. And as you, uh, did you not have a Josh Allen MVP ticket? Um, I did. I did have a fever dream uh, in the middle of the summer, and I woke up and I bet for Josh Allen for MVP and the Bills to win the Super Bowl. Um, you're, you're doing pretty good. He's not going to win it. It's going to be Aaron Rodgers because I mean I just have submitted my PFWA uh, ballot. It is Rodgers for me? Uh, okay. Allen was would have been second and Mahomes third, just because I'm sick of the Chiefs. Uh, and you can vote for Mahomes every year, probably. Um, yeah. Well, listen, and Patrick, um, I'm sorry, Carl Malone needed that uh, that that MVP in the 90s. Yeah, I heard Carl Malone, and I was like, "Is he on the Chiefs? Am I missing something?" <laughs> I was like, "Did the Chiefs sign Carl Malone?" That would be incredible. Uh, that would be, that'd be an absolute. Uh, that'd be fascinating. But yeah, okay, the Bills go out, uh, and then everyone's like, "Josh Allen, Josh Allen, Josh Allen," and now the narrative around the Niners because Nick Mullins ain't the guy. And honestly, you know, Garoppolo wasn't the guy, though. Some people still, uh, you know, can point to some PFF numbers or some bullshit and, and pretend like that guy could win you a Super Bowl. Um, More like as if he pro didn't. football fraud. Am I right, folks? Is everyone laughing hysterically at that perfectly delivered <laughs> joke? Take the next playoff. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, so 
now everyone's like, get, you know, can they get Josh Allen? I'm going to pat myself on the back. As soon as I watch that game, I go, get me Josh Allen. Like, find me the next Josh Allen because Josh Allen is the absolute fucking truth. Uh, and he was just absolutely awesome. And that's what the quarterback position is going to look like moving forward. Like, just, I don't know, Big Ben on steroids. This is like uh, the highest completion percentage he's had at like any level of his career, by the way. <laughs> his yeah, trajectory hey is insane. I mean, you can say the same about some of these, you know, NBA superstars. Like you just right. keep developing, you just keep developing into something. And, and right. like Giannis NFL, never put up stats until he did. He was he was in the second division of Greek basketball. Which, by the way, I will say when I when he was drafted, I I called it. Uh, that's the one thing I called. Oh, yeah. Anyway, well, that, that's you called funny. that Giannis would be a two time MVP. Not that he would be a two time MVP, but that he would be very, very, very good. Yeah. Okay. Hey. I mean, uh, yeah. You get you get one right every now and again, and then. Uh, uh, week 14, uh, the 49ers play the Washington football team in uh, just a sad, sad football game. Just egregiously depressing. And Mullins uh, just following it up with another just dud and a half. And it's at that point where it's like, how the fuck is this guy still playing quarterback for this team? How bad is C.J. Beathard that this guy is still a quarterback? It was absolutely overdone kaput. Uh, unless weird things happen and then w- more weird things happen and the 49ers go into Dallas in week 15 with a slim but not non-existent uh, playoff chance. That was an elite got, loss on their part. They got smoked. <laughs> I mean, I've, what can you? It's pretty recent memory. Can you just run me through what happened in that game? Jake, I don't in week remember. 15? <laughs> I don't remember. It was you talk about fever dreams, man. That game was absolutely bonkers. It ended with a CJ Beathard Hail Mary touchdown. Oh, it which was, was that opening. Yeah, that's by an onside by an onside kick. It was the two turnovers. Touchdown. It was the Richie James the Richie oh. James muff punt. Then Mullins got strip sacked, and that was okay, that was it. Yeah, that was a uh, that was a hot mess of a game, man. And then uh last week a win over the Cardinals for no good reason, um, but I, I guess they have to split this. I mean, we did so. see that coming. It's like, true. Like we, didn't, it's true. we didn't predict it, um, but that was I, – I, the thing is, my gut I, – I went against my gut, and yeah. my gut was saying, this is a weird CJ Beathard game. They are not going to lose to Arizona twice, and I ignored that, but that was my gut feeling. And I, there was no way they were going to lose both of these last two games. These last two division games, they're always going to win one. And Arizona was the way more logical one just because of the weirdness of this division, not because they're better, but just because this division is bizarre. Uh, there's no way they were losing. They were getting swept by both the Cardinals and the Seahawks. They beat him. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury is bad at his job. Uh, the 49ers say what you will. They, they have a good culture and the defense is still really, really good. And Robert Sala is going to be a head coach somewhere um, unless the 49ers absolutely luck out again. And that will be the game that everyone can point to and say, this is why Robert Sala is a head coach because the 49ers defense uh, was able to figure out a guy that they had not been able to figure out. And they they brought wood in a game that they had no reason to play hard in. So right. uh, credit Which, to Robert Sala. He's great really for them. Now they are drafting currently 15th as opposed to being in the ninth position. Hey, um, they don't care. I mean, that, that could have been somebody, you know, that, that's somebody on that team's job that that that's lost on that draft position, maybe. So, no, no, you know, organizations tank by having shitty no, players. It's, it's good cultures. for them. It's not, you know, it's not like 
That that's a good win for them morale wise to to get out of the year and have something to go off of. But because now they are going to get fucking smoked on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Now now they are drafting. Uh, currently 15th. The worst they can draft is 16th if the Raiders lose and they win. Yeah. Um, and the best they can draft is 10th. And yeah. it, it's actually not that unreasonable for them to be drafting 10th. Um, yeah. By the way, no, Drake Greenlaw is also well. out for Sunday. So, Dude, I looked at the injury know. list. It, just, didn't fit, it barely fit in a Cam Inman tweet I just saw come across my timeline. I so, just, I just um, saw the list, and it's uh, – I'll just read it out for for folks who are wondering. It's sure posterity's sake. Out, uh, Ayuk, Gibbons, Greenlaw, Kinlaw, Samuel, Sherman, Williams, comma K1. <laughs> and then is that it? I then, thought there were more. There's various more in Emmanuel Mosley and Mark Nazacha who are questionable. Um, getting Jeff's Justin School left tackle. Sweet, sweet, nice. So it's a. It's a big party. Looking forward to it. Um, God damn, I don't want to watch that game. But we will. We will endeavor nevertheless. Uh, if you had to sum up the 2020 49ers season in in a few words, how would you do so, Jake? Ouch. Ain't that the truth? Um, yeah. How about this? How about I ask you this question? Because you could so succinctly wrap up the season. What would you like about it? What was something that you came out feeling good about with this 49ers team? Defense, man, can go through anything. It's like seriously wild. Like there's there's still like a top ten in some categories, top five defense. They couldn't yeah. rush the quarterback and they nope. were still that good. Yeah. Um like you look at you've got Kevin Givens, like whether DJ Jones comes back, whatever. Uh you've got Kevin Givens, uh Javon Kinlaw. Um Deion Jordan was honestly okay. Uh, I was surprised. Yeah, he was fine. We we gave Deion Jordan a lot of shit on this podcast. Well, because in in, in camp he was the worst player I think I've ever seen in real life. He could I know, not you made it very clear. To he everybody. could not beat a single person in one on ones. Um, but like they just had these random plug and play dudes, and it worked. Thank God for Kerry Hyder. Um, Ooh, the revelation. He's going. I just looked at the edge market. He's going to make like eight plus million next year. Um, is that are we sure about that? Because he's a guy who's only produced in the wide nine. Chris Cuhair. Maybe it's maybe it's not eight million. Um, and actually, and it's a tough market. It is a tough market. Um, but he's gonna. I think he. I'd be surprised if he didn't get at least a one or two year deal that pays him an average at least of five million. Um, I would be kind of shocked. Uh, just because like you look at it, it's like the edge rushers. It's like Melvin Ingram, Justin Houston. Eh, like Romeo Aquara, like it's a lot of like three, four guys that are basically tackles and everyone is over the age of 30 or 32. It's not an enticing edge market. So I, I, I think, I think that he is definitely played about out of San Francisco, like himself out of San yeah. Francisco. Like there's just no way they can afford him. Like he's really good. He had a really nice year as a solid depth guy. The Niners also need to, you know, go out and get somebody opposite Nick Bosa and get back to that elite defensive front that they had. We saw Eric Armstead perform so much better late in the season because yeah. he didn't perform at all in the early part of the season. Yeah, they need uh, someone when he else. got into the middle. So you can get Armstead and Kinlaw up the middle. Uh, you go out and you get somebody because D Ford is 
perhaps alive, but no one can verify that. Um, and then you get Nick Bosa back. Now, now you got something cooking. You already have a scheme that no matter who the defensive coordinator is for this team next year is going to likely stay very similar, whether it's Raheem Morris or Dan Quinn or D'Amico Ryan or Demeco Ryans or like it's um I feel like they're gonna still run that kind of basic, more or less cover three, but a lot of cover four, you know, kind of mix in stuff where the safeties are so important to the run game. It's a very simple scheme based on athleticism and uh, kind of anticipation and locking down one side of the field, which is something that Jason yeah. Verrett did all season long. Um, I think he's your field guy going into next year, and you let Richard Sherman walk unless Richard Sherman wants to play strong safety for your team, which he might want to do, um, but. Probably yeah, not. Yeah, he's announced that he's gone. Do you think he retires? Nope. No, I think he said, I mean, he's going to get his money, you know, and like he knows broadcasting is there when he retires. He's, yeah. you know, I mean, if, if there wasn't a market for him, then maybe he would, but he's going to get money somewhere. Um, okay. I think he knows it. Um, I, I mean, this defense can do anything with the fact that like Fred Warner can play zone match where Literally anyone who comes near him, he's like, all right, I'm covering you now and you're out of the play. And Dre Greenlaw is getting there a little bit. He's not there. He's not near Fred Warner, but like he's he's getting there in coverage like that. Having linebackers that can play like lockdown corners is insane. And then we get to sort of the bigger question. And I think this is ultimately what summarize the season for me is the quarterback position. Um, there's a lot of things that need to happen with this team. 25, 26, 27 unrestricted free agents. Uh, number depends on what you're actually looking at. <laughs> um, they, they have a lot of tough choices to make with the salary cap that's either going down or staying flat, but it's not going up, which is what you really need. Um, they need to shake up this quarterback room in the worst possible way. And that include, you know, if you keep Jimmy Garoppolo, that's Fine. I don't think it's the right choice, but it's ultimately a, a, a reasonable choice. It's not out of the question that it's something that can happen. If you have Jimmy Garoppolo, though, you better have two different backup quarterbacks. If you bring in somebody other than Jimmy Garoppolo, you better have two different backup quarterbacks. Like You need to shake up that quarterback room in the right way. I look at a team like New Orleans, who is able to win games every year with old man Drew Brees on the sideline. Uh, and in fact, probably look better in some cases with old man Drew Brees on the sidelines. And I think to myself, that's a team, or you know, like the the Steelers who had so sub <laughs> sub replacement level quarterback play last year that it was laughable, and still finished eight and eight. Like the Niners did respectably well this season. That says something about this overall organization. But. There are teams that can win with backup quarterbacks, and the 49ers should be held to a standard where they can be one of them. But they didn't have the starting quarterback or the backup quarterbacks this year to make that happen. That's on Kyle Shanahan. That needs to change, and ultimately that's the lesson that I take away from this season. There's a lot of small ones. There's a lot of other big ones. Um, but the lesson I take is you cannot go in to 2021 with this quarterback room intact and still pretend as if you're an elite organization because what you did at one time. Um, so I'm fascinated to see how that develops in the, in the months and weeks to come because uh, obviously it's kind of an important position. I'm with you. I So, you know, one thing that's interesting is this team is probably going to have 10 draft picks. 
Um, they're going to get a third rounder from Robert Sala this year and a third rounder from Robert Sala next year. And they're going to get a third, fifth rounder from Emmanuel Sanders. Um, yes, that's a pretty decent amount of capital for a team. that's shown it's willing to, to shake things up. Like they, they make trades. Um, yeah. For me, as well, you should. I, right. I I know a lot of people are like, oh, you know, you want to get as many bites at the apple as possible. I, I don't necessarily agree with that. Of course, mathematically speaking, and such, you should. But like, you should also have a conviction about who you want to take, right? And you should you should feel like that's the guy, especially for a team that's so idiosyncratic as the Niners and, and so clear about what it or clear. I mean, uh, no one's super clear because you draft Colton McKivitz because he's what a gold star guy or some bullshit, but like. They know what they're looking they're for. They're going to draft like five. They have 10 picks. They're going to draft like five guys. Totally. And that's a okay because you can't like fit it. all of these. You can't fit all of these rookies on your roster. Maybe, maybe, maybe the salary cap demands that you do. Um, but you know exactly what you're looking for at certain positions. You know what it is fits what it is you do. And, um, if you like a guy, if you think a guy has a chance, go get him. No one's going to remember. Oh, but you had to trade away another pick. They only remember that stuff. They only look that shit up if it doesn't work out. You only remember that Mitch Trubisky, they, you know, the Bears traded up one spot because Mitch Trubisky hasn't worked out, or has he? Who's to say? Um, it's it's not. No one knows what the Chiefs gave up to go get Patrick Mahomes. They had to move up to get him. No one remembers what it was because it's Patrick fucking Mahomes. So yeah, obviously there's a big <laughs> there's a big difference in the middle between let's say a Trubisky and a Mahomes. Though again, is there? Who's to say? Um, but I, I, go go and get your guy. I mean, no one, everyone bitched and whined and complained about oh the Niners traded up to get Brandon Ayuk. At the moment, nobody's saying that now because another thing that we need to note off of this season is Debo and Ayuk have a chance to be really special as a one-two if they have the right guy. Especially like a full offseason, having a plan like where you know you're not just rushed into camp again. Yeah. Like th- that was such an insane thing where doctors were basically recommending, "Hey, you need two full months to let guys go," and they gave them like three weeks. Um, yeah. yeah, no shit. How'd that work out? Yeah, not well with it with a team with a team that doesn't. By the way, a team that doesn't do contact ever. Not good. Um, it's kind of problematic, and I think that we didn't talk about that enough. And if the same shit happens again next year, because they were super injured in 2019, by right. the way, and we don't really acknowledge it because they were successful. But uh, if this same shit goes down again, we're going to have to have a real adult conversation about how much contact you're supposed to have in practice to maybe, I don't know, build up calluses or something. Definitely. Uh, because it's not, they're not healthy. And if you're doing a thing to keep somebody healthy um, and it ain't, you know, your teammates staying healthy, maybe you should stop doing that thing. Here's, I don't know. Here's what I'm looking at right now. Um, I'm looking at the draft and they can trade up, obviously. Uh, but I think it really helps if they they get spots ahead of, some of the teams they're going to be competing with. Because yeah. you got Jacksonville and the Jets. I think they're both taking quarterbacks. Or the Jets drop back a few spots. And I think the Jets stay where they are. And, and they take uh, you know Fields or they take Wilson. I kind of feel like they're going to take Wilson, which is super, super weird. Let them have it. Um, so I think those two spots, you get quarterbacks. And you have Miami. I think they're, they're going to stick with Tua. Um, Atlanta, like I don't know, man. Week seventeen is going to go a long way to determining that. I really do believe. I, I just don't think they're going to cut bait after one year and draft another QB. I, I could be wrong, right. but that's like a Fair spot enough. where you know maybe they 
Yeah, who knows? Who who knows what they do there? They could they yeah. could get a, a, a It's up for grabs. It's, there's there's possibility that shit changes. Right. Um you got a lot of teams that are looking for a quarterback next year. Yeah, Atlanta like unclear, maybe they do it. Um it'd be tough it'd be tough for them to get off that right. that Matt Ryan money and I don't think that, that's the other thing too. The Niners would love to take, you know, the Matt Ryan money. I think they'd love to have Matt Ryan. They can't afford him. Yeah. Um after them you got Cincinnati, Philly, and then there's Detroit, uh, which is really intriguing. They might be a candidate. I think if you're 49ers, you're kind of looking at that spot. Um, yeah, for sure. Where, to me, what's really important is that they lose and that New England is facing the Jets. New England wins. They jump them. Um, Minnesota is playing the Lions. It's a real toss-up there. Um, but if Minnesota wins, they jump them. Chargers, it, it doesn't particularly matter, but they're playing a Chiefs team that is playing nobody, and um, they took them to overtime earlier this year, so that's a potential win. Um, Dallas and Washington both need to win, so that spot might hold there. Uh, and then Denver. It, I think jumping Denver, like Denver has to beat the Raiders, that would, right. be, that would be pretty significant because Denver's obviously needs a QB. It's the only thing Denver needs. Um, like you look at that team, you're just, you're just not getting drew lock slander out of me. Well, you know, I'll get it out of my, my coworker, my friend, Sam Hustis, who's, <laughs> you know, he's more than happy to oblige. Um, right. So I, they don't need to jump spots. I just think it helps in terms of a trade up in terms of offers where you got a lot of teams in the same range of 49ers at 15 and Denver's at 10. Like, that's a huge difference in terms of, you know, marketing your trade assets. Right. Um, so so that's kind of what I'm looking at. If I'm them, if I'm the 49ers, like trade up for fields if if he's if he's not off the board at two. hundred percent. Do it. Like what like whatever it costs. Like unless it's three first rounders, uh, which is not going to be the case because it's never been two, the case. It, two first rounders for a, a guy who could be your quarterback. And by the way, this is all entirely dependent on Kyle feeling strongly about it, which I don't know what he's going to do. Like Kyle is so afraid of change at the quarterback position, as we learned by him keeping this room together for this year and rolling with Mullins and, and Beathard again. Um, I, I, I think dude he hasn't drafted a quarterback right. since fucking I just Mullins, think he's Beathard. And if he's looking at, you know, like those next three, like Lance, uh, Fields and Wilson. I kind of think he's a Fields guy. Just He'll watch a lot of Ohio State film, just because that's something he does. The man, like he's he looks like a pocket passer, um, way more than than Wilson or Lance. And like, granted, this year he's obviously had some jitters. He's missed some reads, gotten out of the pocket. But like the year before that was was stellar. This year also came on short notice. He's been sacked a lot of times. Um, yeah. I, I I feel I feel good about Fields. I know I do a too. lot of people want to judge um, judge Fields based on what prior Ohio State quarterbacks have done. I've never seen an Ohio State quarterback quite like him. Yeah, yeah no, Ohio fine. State has never had a quarterback like him. I saw him in person against Michigan last year, and I was expecting like because I hadn't really watched much much of Fields, and so I thinking a lot more Troy Smith. Yeah, I was thinking like Braxton Miller, like you know, speed right. guy. Terrell he, Pryor. He's like a pocket passer who can get out with speed. He's more, he's way more Roethlisberger than he is, um, you know, like Kyler Murray. 
but he's got way more speed than Roethlisberger. So to me, Fields, like if he's not off the board at two, do it. Do whatever you have to trade up and get him. I think that's a guy that Kyle would really like because Kyle doesn't want like Lance is really exciting, but he's really, really raw and he is runs a lot, like a tendency to run more than Kyle probably wants. Um, And like you saw like RG3 was like that and he like his career was over after a year, basically. Um, I just think Fields is way more of the type of quarterback uh, Kyle would feel comfortable with. He's got way more polish to his game. Obviously, like needs to work on his reads, but like Kyle's been working with a quarterback who can't go through his reads for three years now. (laughs) I think if he has one who actually has arm talent and can throw the occasional deep ball, that's a trade off he'll be okay with. By the way, like you think about Justin Fields and you're thinking, oh, you know, he's he's a little sprightly. You know, he he's not he's six three two twenty eight. And my concern with Zach Wilson is that he doesn't weigh anything. A six three two ten listed it, but like you can see him, like he doesn't he doesn't weigh that. Um, maybe you can make the same argument for for Fields. But everyone talks about Trey Lance as kind of this you know this truck of a uh, of a quarterback. He's skinny. He's six he's six four two twenty five. Justin Fields is 6'3", 228. Okay, let's just call it both 220. They're the same size. And so I do have some questions about running quarterbacks and their longevity. I, I think that those questions are continuously fair to ask. But he's not hes not Kyler Murray small. No, he's, and, he's, he's bulky. He's a little bulky. I like it. And, and imagine, imagine a Russell Wilson body type with more height. Like that matters to me. So I'm, I'm still in on Fields. And if he drops down... First off, the fact that he can drop down and still be, you know, a top 10 pick that's still considered dropping down for him, I think speaks to the level of talent you're dealing with with a guy uh, of this caliber. And that would just be the best case scenario for the 49ers. And if you give up a first round pick and he hits, who gives a shit? Who gives I'd be a shit about giving up the 32nd pick? For him than Wilson. Uh, and that's not Same. to say that I'm not in on Wilson. Uh, I like no, a I'm lot looking. of what he does, but. He still scares me. Like he looks like a child. He's he's real tiny. Uh, playing against really bad competition, has a sort of like Baker. freaks out against right. bad competition. Right, has a sort of like Baker Mayfield thing to him. Uh, that's a lot of just you know being hot. It's like McGlinchey. Like when McGlinchey is hot, he's a really damn good tackle. Um, when he's not, yikes. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. And we'll break all of this down here in the uh, the weeks and months to come uh, as we <laughs> strongly transition into what we always probably should have been, which is you know draft content, uh, because this is what we nerd out about even more than anything else. Um, I, I guess if we had to summarize it, though, I mean, other than ouch, we got anything else that we want to get off our chest before we, we move forward into uh, Zach Wilson slander for the next few weeks and months? Not, not the worst thing to happen to them. I mean... Interesting. Like... I know it's it's easy to, you know, there's that whole year after the Super Bowl hangover thing. It's real. Um, it's really hard to go back. And they at least were able to see, to do an inventory check. Like, know sort of the depth of what they have. Um, like, get to see Jason Verrett actually be something worthwhile. Um, awesome year. You know, they've got some guys that, you know, and they're seeing a little bit out of like Tarverius more. I'm not ready to bet on him. I'm just yeah. saying you get to see a lot of guys that you normally wouldn't have. You got to see Daniel Brunskill play literally every position. Uh, mm-hmm. That's that's weird, but like it is kind of useful to know that he can play center or guard. 
maybe not super well, uh, but like <laughs> but at least give serviceably. You the, give you the reps. Yeah. Right. That's valuable. Um, I think the defense, like just the evolution of those of those linebackers, um, Kevin Givens, like I wish he played more because that guy is actually really something special. Kinlaw, yeah, he's a star. Ayuk, you know, it's there's a lot of, a lot of negative, but like just a few guys really developing, um, having the fourth year, another year under Sala, where even when he leaves, there's so much confidence in the scheme and, and confidence in players. I think that's all valuable. And and they were competitive yeah. for as, as much of a nightmare as it was. Being competitive, they're going to have a confidence that like, hey, we had every injury in the world and like we actually kind of almost made the playoffs. That's yeah. worth something. Uh, and then you get a draft pick where you could find your quarterback of the future. We'll see how, how this all pans out, blah, blah, blah. But it's it's not all bad. My, my takeaway is that we saw the the best of Kyle Shanahan when it came to this team sticking together through everything it had to fight through. And I know a lot of people will, you know, make mountains out of molehills when it comes to stuff like that. But like, I do believe that the 49ers had exceptional circumstances for that. They had to face throughout the year that a lot of other teams would fracture over. Um, if, if not the early stuff, the middle stuff, then the late stuff. Um, so we saw the best of Kyle Shanahan and what he can be as a culture builder, as a guy who can get the team to rally around him as a leader of men. And the same goes for Robert Sala, who has almost enti- you know, full autonomy on the defensive side. We also saw the delinquencies with Kyle Shanahan this year as it pertained to roster building and um, going I away guess really, from the one game plan that worked. Right. Yeah. And, and that, too, and being a, a bit too um, a, a bit too idealistic with, with how he uh, he does his business, especially as an offensive coordinator. It's the latter parts that really uh, – first, you can't be successful without the former parts. You have to have that culture. You have to have that accountability there. These are all coaching buzzwords, but they're buzzwords for a reason. They, they apply to very few, and they're important to all. Um, but without fixing the roster deficiencies, and there are a lot of opportunities to fix it, and there are a lot of opportunities to – uh, uh, exacerbate the problems this upcoming offseason given all of the movement that is going to happen one way or another whether they keep guys or lose guys there's just too many guys who are not under contract guys who they can get off of their contract there's just too many things that have to happen given the salary cap situation um, for there not to be a shakeup on this roster one way or another and so I'm fascinated 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 to see what Shanahan does not just with the quarterback room which I feel is imperative but with Every other position with with the guys that they're going to bring in for the first non Robert Sala defense in in the Kyle Shanahan era, um, what that looks like will determine obviously their success in twenty twenty one. But beyond that, and it will ultimately determine, as you and I have mentioned a hundred times before, how long the tenure of John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan will be here in San Francisco. Um, quarterback position is the most critical one you can make. We don't need to explain why that's the case. And I think they're going to make one this this. I, I don't think they are. They're going to make one this offseason, whether it's Garoppolo or somebody else. This is the offseason that you're making that decision. This is the offseason where you either get this thing back on the right track or it spirals further out of control because 
you know, stagnation is, is not progress. You're either growing or you're, you know, you're, you know, receding and, uh, standing in the middle is, is not considered progress. So I'm fascinated to see what they do. I think that they're fully aware of the stakes, the at hand, uh, which I, I appreciate because a lot of coaches live in denial on that kind of shit. Um, and, Man, uh, this is a team that can very well, if they play the, you know, if they play most of their cards the right way, not all of them, they don't have to nail it, you know, knock it out of the park, clear, you know, grand slam, home run, all that shit. Like they just need to do the right thing in a lot of different places, uh, but not get them all right. If they do that, if they can, you know, win more than they lose, or you know, maybe win two out of every three, is probably a better rate. Um, they can absolutely be back in Super Bowl contention next year in an NFC that has no gr- truly great teams. Absolutely. Especially if, you know, Drew Brees decides he's going to go join NBC and now who the hell's the quarterback in the saints. And at some point, um, you know, the, 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 uh, there's going to be a margin call on all of their cap moves. So uh, I, I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated. I think this off season is interesting as they usually are. And this past one was no exception. Every year is an interesting off season. The NFL off season's incredible stuff. I really do enjoy it. Really it. Is. This, this one is fundamental. It hasn't been fundamental in quite a while. This one's fundamental. You've been to the top, at least in the NFC. With the capital fun, am I right? Oh, get the fuck out of here. Okay, I'm, hang- I'm hanging up. I'm hanging up, Jake. Folks, thank you for your podcasting folks, time. Thank you for uh, spending time with us during this weird, weird, <laughs> awful year. I hope you are slightly hungover like I am. Um, yeah. And yeah. sweating sweating out the the demons <laughs> from this last year. Hey, man, uh, it, it should be a great one. We're really looking forward to the off-season content. We're not going to do any, like, you know, 49ers, Seahawks recap or anything like that. We're going uh, <laughs> no. to get we're gonna get our ducks in a row. We're going to um, break down position by position uh, everything that happened uh, in, in 2020 and what we're expecting in 2021. Uh, get everyone a great lay of the land on, on what it is the 49ers did and should be doing moving forward. And then we get deep down and dirty into the 2021 NFL draft. All of that shit's going to happen between now and April, so long as the world still exists. Uh, Actually, I'm looking even forward if it to- doesn't, yeah, we'll, we'll be here. <laughs> we did it. We did it the first time. We'll do We're it the last time. recording from a fallout shelter. <laughs> We're recording from the football purgatory by which the 49ers currently exist. Um, just somewhere somewhere stuck in the middle between good and bad. Exactly. Um but yeah, it should be it should be a really interesting couple of months coming forward. You know, this is Jake and I's independent uh, operation, and I think we're going to ramp it up here. And and listen, you know, the numbers that we've been getting have been kind of staggering. Uh, we don't ask you know rate or review or tell for it. Like if you want to do those things, if you feel strongly about it, go for it. Um, if not, like no pressure. Like we're not putting much work into this other than our day to day job. Feel free to send hate mail too. I, I always appreciate it. My address. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to send car bombs, um, no, uh, it, like listen. It, inherently, we do this to get our thoughts straight. Uh, we do this because we enjoy the conversation with each other. Uh, at least I'll speak for myself in that regard. Uh, I enjoy conversating as you have to yeah, listen sure, to me. Yeah, sure. I enjoy talking to you. Sure. <laughs> and, uh, and I think that you know, while there are a lot of 49ers podcasts out there, we're just not going to play the same bullshit games that a lot of them do. And this isn't to say that, you know, (laughs) those guys suck or, you know, whatever. Like, it's just to say that there's a lot of extracurricular bullshit that has to happen in that. We're just having conversations about the Niners, having conversations about football, and we're doing it on our own time, on our own dime. 
And uh, we appreciate, I mean, I've, I've been blown away by the amount of people that listen to it. And uh, we appreciate everyone who has done that so far, everyone who has uh, let us know that they've done it. Uh, again, no pressure, do whatever it is you want to do with it. We, we're putting this out into the world and, uh, and we're not, you know, we're not thirsty for anything off of this. We're not doing this for any, you know, uh, a gain, financial gain or, or clout gain or whatever. We're just putting out what we think is is the best we can do in terms of a product uh, with as little effort as possible, apparently. And uh, we're, we're, I think we're going to try to ramp this bad boy up a little bit. I know, I know this. Uh, if you were wondering if we know what the fuck we're talking about at any juncture up until this point, come draft time, you will have a full answer. And that answer is no. We have no idea what we're fucking talking about now. Uh, we love the draft, and uh, we can't wait to really get into that. And really, really can't wait for and, it. I, I, it's and it's I, the best time of year. And I think that uh, if if you if you're on the fence, if this is your first time listening, hang through. Once we get through draft season, you're going to find out one way or another if we can do this bad boy or not. But uh, thanks to everybody for listening so far. Have a very happy new year. And Jake, can we get one more ouch for the way out? Ouch. Have a great have a great new year, folks, and. Uh, Sweat it out. Sweat it out.